But this morning, I'm preaching on 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 38. It's the miracle of the stew. And we came out of a fast, time of fasting and prayer. And I just felt God lift this scripture up, this, this, this sermon, this, this miracle up. And say, this is a word for this season. The word of God promises us and he tells us that where his word is preached, miracles will follow. And the, the, the time of fasting and prayer and seeking God this week has, has just been so incredible that I say this time and time again, that it is not something that we tick off on the church calendar and say it's done. But it's, it's a space where we literally get to lift off and experience God and change lives and have our lives changed and advance the kingdom of God. If you have your Bible with you, turn to 2 Kings 4 verse 38 to 41, and it goes something like this. Elisha returned to Gilgal, and there was famine in that region. While the company of prophets was meeting with him, he said to his servant, put on the large pot and cook some stew for these prophets. One of them went out into the fields to gather herbs and found a wild vine plant and picked as many of its gourds as his garments could hold. When he returned, he cut them up, put them in the pot, though no one knew what they were. The stew was poured out for the men, but as they began to eat, say as they began. Uh, where am I? I lost my place. There we go. They cried out, men of God, there is death in the pot. They could not eat it. Verse 41, Elijah said, get some flour, and he put it into the pot and said, serve it to the people to eat, and then there was nothing harmful in the pot. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we praise your name this morning. We make you big, we exalt you, we glorify you. We pray that you deliver on your promise this morning as you always do, time and time again, that when your word is preached, lives are changed, that bodies rise to life that miracles happen. We thank you, Lord God, for the privilege that we find ourselves in a time, in a country, where we are able to share your word publicly with freedom. And we pray, Lord God, that do what you can do, do what you want to do in this space. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So our character is Elisha, but a little bit of a background context is that he trained under the prophet Elijah. There's some uh, old school, Old Testament scholars in the house. We thought we'd bring that back with button shirts. And uh, we have also have a, a friend of mine who's sitting somewhere in the crowd. Uh, you know, if you think about John the Baptist, you know, wild beard and leather belt. His name might be Moses, I'm not sure. But he's somewhere, just, just go have a look and you will see that we're bringing back the good old days. Now... Elijah, as I was saying, was the prophet, man of God that, you know, was called, that did wonders and signs, that, that in his mandate, in his mission, he largely took on the higher powers that be. He's the guy that confronted the king and the queen when they were being a bit dodgy, if I'm being polite. And he, he was the guy that prayed fire down to consume the sacrifice. He was, his, his passion was to see God's word and God's will and the laws of God be disseminated from higher leadership, from the, the running of the country, so to speak. Elisha then takes over from him, 
But he's got a, a sort of a, a personal approach in his ministry. Most of the miracles of um, Elisha is, you know, we, we hear him stepping into the spaces where there's individuals, the needs of the people, raising up dead children, raising, making sure that a woman does not go bankrupt. In this space, he comes back from Shunem. So the previous verses, there would have been a, 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 a very wealthy lady in Shunem who had a son. The son died. Elisha raises the son from the dead. And he stays there for a little bit. But then he leaves that place and he goes to Gilgal. Leaves a place of comfort and comes to Gilgal. Something like coming back from sabbatical. He goes to Gilgal knowing that there's famine in the region. And this famine had, had fallen in the region precisely because the king and the queen had, and the people of Israel had forsaken the laws of God. If you remember Deuteronomy, he says to them, do not forget, but if you neglect the laws that I'm commanding you now, there will be famine. That place of milk and honey will be barren. Now, the nation finds itself in a space of famine, a space of lack, of state of disaster. But we see the company of prophets are still meeting. They are still sitting at the rabbi's feet. They are still going to their Bible school. They are still doing the mission of God. Would we be a church, as Mark said, that does not neglect the mission of God, irrespective of the prevailing times? that we are able to reach far, that we, we raise up, we release wide, whether there's a state of disaster or not, that we would stay planted, that we would continue to do the work of God in season, out of season, not of our own, but because he enables us. They sit now with uh, Elisha, and he says, you know, personal touch again. There's famine, this blokes are a bit, uh, looking a bit dry-mouthed. Says to his servant, prepare something, put on a large pot. Now, the Bible in verse 39 says that one of them went to pick up some wild vines, a wild gourd. Um, I imagine this person was from, graduated at UCT, but that's okay. And in, in gathering this, these wild vines, the, the scholars agree, and my Bible, I'm not sure about yours, it's got little pictures at the bottom. This is the image that comes up in my Bible. That this, <laughs> this is the wild God that was, Monica is shaking her head. There's a, there's, a, there's a little tug of war in the Tao household. Uh, Daddy, not so much a veggie fan, and three-year-old is, you know, watching. I, I repent. Anyway, he goes out and, 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 and he gathers as much as his garment can hold, an instinctive reaction to desperate times. The land is sitting, is, uh, the land is experiencing famine. The man of God says, let's make something to eat. He goes out and he gathers as much as he can. He grabs and he grabs. He's pulling, he's collecting, he's hoarding. Natural response. Now, the challenge and the problem is not in the reaching and the grabbing. But in the what I am reaching for. It's in the what we are grabbing, what we are pulling in. State of confusion. Am I going to add this theology? Am I going to read that? Am I going to listen to that person? Or am I going to sit and trust that this is enough? It carries on and he says, 
He cut it up and he put it into the stew. But it's only as they began to dish out, as they were eating. You see, some of the things that I reach out and add into my story, into my narrative, I might not see the impact now. It's, it might only be further down the line that as I now consume, as I eat, and I'm thinking, what did I put in there? As they were eating, it was not an immediate response. You know, I said earlier, it was not as they smelled the, the whiff, you know, not the Afrikaans, whiff, but the whiff. Surely you're thinking, you know, as, as, as this, this wild gourd was, being, was brewing, somebody should have said, hang on, guys. Something's not right. Something's amiss. But that's our story. That's my story. You know, if, if, if I may challenge somebody right now, I don't know how the, the, the cutting of the corners in my workplace is going to impact my future generations. Disclaimer, I'm very, very passionate about God's kingdom advancing in the workplace without me saying that I'm a Christian. I'm, 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 I'm very, very passionate about marketplace evangelism with, my, with the work ethic. With serving our earthly masters as though we are serving God. It's as they were eating, as it was being poured out, that they realized something is amiss. What was mistakenly thought to be provision, we're making a stew, it's been famine, we've been hungry. There's a vine, it's got a lot, the more the merrier. My good mate uh, Jonah knows this story very well. Not every ship that's available is the right one. Oh, there's an open door. Not, everyone is the, not every ship, not every open door is the right one. As they, as, as they began to consume of the stew, they realized something is amiss. But I'd like to commend them for their re response. They cry out to the man of God. And they say, man of God, there is poison in the stew. Some versions say, say there is bitterness in the stew. A lot of the times, I'll chat to individuals, and as they're narrating their story, I'll get a sense that there was an experience of bitterness or poison in some sort of stew. But the response is, mental note, spit it on the side, and I'm gone. And we're thinking, when there's six of us at the table, Pele's gone. So-and-so is gone. But they cry out. And they say, man of God, there's poison in the stew. They label the stew as poisonous because it's the natural experience. It's what I'm feeling. It's what they are feeling. It's what's happening right now. But another mate of mine, Ezekiel, was brought to a valley of dry bones. And God asked him, what do you see? Oh, in the natural, I see dry bones. But God said, prophesy. Speak to the dry bones and see life come about. As they were crying out, men of God, there is poison in the stew. Elisha kept his cool because he knew. That rhymed, I think. He knew that there is life, the, the, the giver of life in, in, in those times, as Mark taught us last week, God would, would, would come through his prophets. He was the picture. So Elisha in this story is our image of the life giver. Yeah. 
Elisha knew that what they label as poisonous and bitter, God can transform. God can transform. What I label as unpleasant, undoable, it's done. God says, I'm not done yet. He then says to them, get some flour. They get the flour. Now, again, I'm being a bit unnecessary. The flour was available. Famine flour was available. Make a stew. Why go out to the wild and find wildlings, not, not the children, wild goats, if the flowers, are, surely we could have baked some bread. But God in his ways sometimes allows us to journey through things so that his power can be displayed, so that his might can be visible. He says that uh, he sent his word to heal us. He says that all things work together for good of those who love him, those, trust, those who trust him, those that are called by his name. Whatever is happening now, the word has been spoken already that it will work together for my good. If you remember um, um, the story of Lazarus, when the word that he's ill goes to Jesus, and he says this illness will not result in his death, but in the power of God being visible. The life giver is in this room. We said earlier, Mark said earlier, this is a dangerous space. Not because of the name on the wall or the band or the preacher man, but because God himself, Amen. the giver of life, Amen. is here. Amen. Elisha said, add some flour to the stew, to the mix. They add that mix. They add the stew. They add the flour to the stew. And he says, dish it up again to the men that they may eat. Uh, same pot. <laughs> so, you, you, you're saying that I need to partake in the same pot, in the same dream, in the same fellowship, in the same family, in, this, in, in the same dream that I had labeled, in the same situation that I had written off. And God is saying, yes, dish out from the same pot and let the people eat. I like Job. And I like the psalmist in Psalm 73. Where he's pouring out his heart. And he, he's, he's actually realizing that he had become like a wild beast. A wild brute, some versions say. In, in, in pouring out, in complaining, in pouring it out to God. Church, it's okay to pour it out to God. It's okay to cry out to God. It's okay to say, this is not working. This is bitter. I don't like this. To God. To God. To God. For He knows all our needs. He's intimately aware with where each and every one of us is. With our hurt, with our past trauma with situations that don't seem like they are moving along. He's intimately aware. Spoke to somebody who is in a, in a tough spot where the, the, we actually need somebody to do their job. And this person is not doing their job. And the sister of mine says, 
How can we move this along? Who do we know that we can move and shake? I said, we are just going to cry out to God. We are going to say, God, this is unfair. Because our God, who's got the hearts of man in his hand, is able to transform, to take an administrator who has set himself or herself up to be the, 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 the block, the stumbling block. God is able to transform and move that heart so that your process is expedited without any human intervention. That is the kind of God that we serve. And we said, yes, we will do it. <laughs> do I need to finish the story? No. Get a phone and say, I don't know what happened. It has happened. And it's like, so does that mean that God has touched this administrator and now he's going to, no, him or she might just go back to being the same cold-hearted, bitter person. But because we cried out to God, he was able to transform that situation. He was able to transform that poisonous stew and set it out for provision for us. What pots have we labeled as bitter this morning? And I asked earlier also, what pots are we about, am I about to label as bitter this morning? Pots of fellowship with God. Been waiting for so long, it's not happening. Pots of fellowship with others, with the brethren. Pots of families being reunited. Pots of relationship. Pots of financial provision. It's not working. God, I've been trusting you. I've been trusting you, but it's not working. Parts of future hope. God, you gave me this dream. You gave me this passion. You gave this business idea was from you, God. It's not working. Don't kick out. Stay close. The prophets, the company of prophets crowd out to, to the men of God, but they stayed close. So that when, when the transformative power of the flower started happening, they were able to enjoy the miracle. They were able to experience the miracle of the transformation of the stew. Yeah. What part have I labeled, have you labeled as bitter this morning? In my, am I allowed to say earlier days? Doesn't sound right. Two years ago, perhaps, Two, two, two years, two and a half years ago, as I completed my LLB studies, completed the law school, wrote the bar exams, everything was done, tick. Now I just needed a space to work, to finish, to, 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 to complete the last lap, the articles. I started putting my CV out, started going around, knocking on doors, etc., etc. And I spoke to a gentleman who said to me, brother, it's not going to work for you for three reasons. He said, one, you're too old. Normally, you start your articles at around 22, 23. Two, your salary is it's quite above the, the, the bandwidth, is that the right word, of what candidates attainees earn. Three, and if I can be brutally honest, he said to me, in Cape Town, you have the wrong skin color. Yeah. And in that moment, desperation, natural reaction is to try and pull 
There's a friend of mine, we grew up together up north in Limpopo. We were in the uh, worship team together. He's an attorney in, in Santon. He says to me, Mpila, I've got you. One of the directors in the firm, he said, don't, I've got you. And I started wrestling with it. We started wrestling with Monica. Do we uproot the family? What do, do we? This seems to be a door. I'm telling you this not to boast in myself, but to boast in who God is when we wait, when we cry out to him. We cried out to him. And a miracle. Nothing short of a miracle. A miracle. That I was able to find articles in Cape Town. And having practiced as a therapist for a couple of years and having, uh, if you'd like, a, a private practice, etc., etc., I went to the legal practice council. I said, I'm a qualified professional. Is there a way that I could do my articles and still keep my practice? The rules say no. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. There's about three rules that say a candidate attorney or an article clerk must just do that. If you're working uh, uh, as a waiter, waitress somewhere, that has to stop. I sent in the application, went to the ethics board, professional affairs committee, went to national office, came back and they said, well, it's never been done before, but you can do it. A miracle. A miracle. Just like Jesus, Elisha stepped out of Gilgal, out of Shunem, to go into Gilgal. Shunem, where he just performed a miracle, where it was, things were okay. Came down to Gilgal, into Gilgal, into famine, into a desperate situation. Jesus left his place of glory and completeness and power and stepped onto planet earth, a broken space, a place of lack. Just like Jesus, Elisha invites the, process, the, the prophets, the company of prophets, to trust again. He says, don't kick out. Won't you trust that the life giver is here? You know, when, 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 they, when, when, when Jesus was put into the tomb, that place that's meant to hold down the dead, that place that's meant to, that's it, it's the, it's the last stop, you're going nowhere. They didn't know that they are putting the life giver in. They did not know that they are putting in the source of life. This morning, my prayer and my challenge is simple. Won't you put in the giver of life into your stew? Won't you put in Jesus, the bread of life, the flour that was put into the stew, symbolic of Jesus' ability to hold things together, in, in not just his ability, but who he is. In him, all things hold together. In him, all things hold together. Won't you believe that now as we stand? 